Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. This is another episode from our time down at Mueller Sports Medicine when we got together with the Candid Athletic Training Crew. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, uh, please go back. It is two episodes ago. It is well worth the listen. Those guys are hilarious and are bringing a lot to the profession. Uh, So please go check that out. In this episode, we talk with president of Mueller Sports Medicine, John Cahir. Uh, It's a very unique conversation in terms of what we get into. Uh, It's not necessarily focused on specifically athletic training, but everything about how John got to the point he is with Mueller Sports Medicine. Um, Really interesting story. A lot of great lessons that I think are very applicable over to the profession uh, that John provides. I think there's just good information about seeing different things, challenging yourselves. And we do obviously get into the athletic training world, uh, what that means to work with them, with Mueller, all the things that they have coming down the pipeline. Really just a good overview of what Mueller does and what John brings to the table. Uh, We learned a lot. Great episode. Uh, If you are listening to this, check out the web page dedicated to it um, as there's some interesting things that John did that we linked up that uh, we think are really useful things that we are also going to check out. So be sure to check that as well. With that, please enjoy this episode with John Kerr. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are down at Mueller Sports Medicine with John Kayer, who is the president of Mueller Sports Medicine. Um, I believe that's the full title. That is. That is. Um, And we're down here just, again, talking everything athletic training. Obviously, we have a lot to do with Mueller, and we appreciate everything they do, not only for us with the podcast and being in cahoots with that, but just the profession in general. So we wanted to turn it over because you kind of have a unique story of getting here. Um, I don't know that you, I remember have, hearing a lot of sports medicine in your background necessarily, but moving into this space and how you got here and then we'll kind of take it from there. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, it's an honor to be on your show. Really appreciate the time. And let me tell you a little bit about my background and hopefully we can have a great conversation. Yeah, here today. absolutely. So, uh, I grew up in, uh, Western New York in a real small town. It kind of reminds me of the headquarters of Mueller Sports Medicine, Prairie du Sac, Wisconsin. And it was a great place to grow up, and uh, it was a, a big sports town. Uh, we had a couple of NFL players that came out of our little tiny 86-person high school. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was a big sports program in a, such a small place. So that was just part of my life growing up. Uh, I played four different sports. Uh, you were always doing something in the sports field. You know, we grew up Bills fans, and uh, we were Pirates fans. And you got to be loving this year with the Bills, at least. The then. Bills. Yeah, yeah they're finally, relevant again. Yeah, finally after all these years. <laughs> so it was a it was a lot of fun, and uh, just every day we were going to a different event, sporting event, or practice, or something else. And uh, I was pretty lucky; I didn't get injured a whole lot. As an athlete, I got a couple of uh, concussions playing football. Um, I was QB of the high school team, 
and that uh, that was that was tough, but went worked through all that. And uh, you know, from there, I actually when I was considering universities to go to, mm-hmm. I actually one of the criteria for the university I ended up picking was that they had um, 150s football. So it was a program we got to be 150 pounds or lighter uh, <laughs> the Wednesday before the game in order to play. Okay. And uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, but I ended up going to Cornell University. And it was an interesting road. My family has a small business in their background. My dad's got a coffee company, and my mom's side's got a, a winery, a German-style winery. Okay. So I was growing up in those areas, working a lot, you know, at the family businesses, and uh, that, that kind of prepped me for working at this great family company, Wheeler Sports Medicine. But uh, the one I really liked was the wine business, right? I wanted to go in and do something in the wine business, and I was a pretty good student, and uh, I was really good in science, so I thought boy, wouldn't it be great to be in genetics? I wanted to go into plant genetics. Okay. You know, talking about new types of varietals and all sorts of how do you make the most of any any wine-producing region, things yep. of that sort. So I was you know, pretty idealistic and said, that's going to be another criteria for the university. I okay. <laughs> and so uh, I looked all over the, the country, you know, looked out in California where all those great places are for the wine business. But I ended up uh, really close to home in upstate New York at another really fine university, Cornell University. They had a fantastic plant genetics program in their School of Agriculture and Life Sciences. And so I could do... You know, the, the athletics uh, as well as the academics at, you know, one of the best universities in the, in the country. For sure. So it was a really easy choice for me to make. Uh, I got there. It was fantastic, uh, beautiful campus. I was just back there a few weeks ago and met with the team, uh, the athletic training staff. Okay. And uh, so ironically, one of my good buddies, his daughter's on the soccer team, and she was there getting worked on by the athletic training staff, and it was just really a great moment to see all that. But uh, I was a plant genetics major for about two years, and I was getting you know pretty much average grades. Now, my, my caliber of students around me definitely went up from my little school in western New York and I was kind of average. I don't like to be average in anything. Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, you know, what else could I do and still maintain my love of, you know, the wine business and everything else? And so I switched to a business major, okay. a marketing major, which for me came naturally. It, I don't know if it was working at my dad's coffee company, doing business plans, things of that sort, but it was really natural. And I switched over that. My GPA went right back up. And uh, I really enjoyed that. At the same time, I could continue all the stuff about wine. Cornell's famous for their hotel school, which has okay. a tremendous wine program. So I could still take the classes and all that sort sort of thing. But I ended up uh, graduating uh, with the marketing degree. And it was it was good because I really enjoyed that. I became a teaching assistant. Uh, and the teaching assistant I uh, was for was for a professor that was in charge of the hockey team. And uh, he was like the sponsoring professor for the hockey team. All the hockey guys that were all in the business major as mm-hmm. well, marketing major. 
So uh, I got to hang out a lot with the the hockey team, and at Cornell, hockey is it, right? Right. Yeah. You know, hockey, wrestling, things of that sort. Yeah. Really. Yeah, wrestling's been good for a long, long time. Definitely. So the hockey program, I got to know those guys very well. Got to I had season tickets all four years, and uh, you know, to this day, I follow Cornell hockey, you know, pretty religiously. So, uh, but I was with this professor who was in charge of the hockey team as a sponsor. And uh, one day he said, hey, you know, come on into my office. Uh, I got an opportunity for you. There's this company out in Wisconsin that wants to start a marketing program. And uh, they're a company you've seen. They actually came on campus and did a case study class. And uh, they came in. uh, They were really great. Got to know them. And uh, so I gave this professor my resume. He gave it to them. And then, you know. Six months later, I was hired for my first job coming right out of school uh, with a company called S.C. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the old-timers would remember it as Johnson's Wax. Okay. Yeah, you know, maker of great products like Glade and Windex and Raid and Off, Ziploc, stuff that you have in your house. Yeah, a yeah. couple of things you've heard of from time to time. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So it was a great company to go to, private company like Mueller Sports Medicine. And it was a good place to get trained. So I was classically trained as a brand manager okay. for the next 10 years. And they had a long, you know, rigorous training program. They rotate you across different brands and all sorts of different experiences. I uh, really learned a lot in those first 10 years. And I got to intersect with sports quite a bit. Because S.C. Johnson had the Edge Shave Gel brand. Okay. And Edge was an NFL yes, and, it NBA was. sponsor. Yeah. So, yeah, we, of course, got tickets to go to all these different games. Uh, we got to work with athletes. Uh, we shot TV commercials with Brett Favre and Reggie White and David Robinson and Kevin Garnett. Are you Garnett. too young to remember all that? Uh no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him growing up. Yep. We even did one with Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Uh, so it was great to just be around the athletes and all of the sporting events and things of that sort um, as a way to help promote the brand, you know, by associating with these great individuals that are, you know, just so talented. So that was a, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I did that for about 10 years, and then I got an opportunity, a unique one, to go overseas. And so this time I uh, said, well, you know, I always thought I could go to someplace interesting like Europe or maybe Argentina or something along those lines. And uh, one of the, the head people at SCJ said, what do you think about Japan? I said, uh, Japan, huh? I don't speak any Japanese. I don't even like fish. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know if I do so well in Japan. Right. And he said, ah, you'll be fine. you got a good personality. You work well with people. Go, go over there and just check it out. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to go. Uh, so uh, about two weeks later, I was on a plane to Tokyo and uh, ended up spending about a week there with the team that I'd be working with, and I loved it. It just felt right, you know. It's a very orderly place. They are, you know, extremely polite. It's all about the team, not the individual. And I thought, boy, I'm going to learn a lot 
if I take this. Yeah, assignment. their work ethic's supposed to be basically second to none, almost to the point that it's too o- much. Almost too much. Yeah, right. Yeah. Almost too much. Uh, they they don't they've never heard of the work life balance. Right. It's a foreign foreign topic. But it was really great because I learned a lot of good principles that I've been able to use uh, in every kind of leadership since then. I learned that it's not about the individual. It's about the team. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, the individual is a key part of the team, absolutely. Right. But it's not, you know, you know, pat yourself on the back. It's what do I need to do to help the team succeed? And right. even recognition, I would try to recognize individuals on my team for some great work they did. Oh, they said no. I said that would be embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Right. But when you bring the team together, fantastic. So I learned about that. I learned about uh, the value of quality and really focus on quality. Um, quality above pretty much everything else. Uh, it's got to be perfect. And perfect is not a, a bad word. Perfect right. is a good word. I also learned about the uh, the the objective of alignment and having alignment when you're starting a tough project or anything else you got to spend time up front with all the team members and even the secondary team members to get alignment and I said that is really important and once you get that alignment which takes longer when you go to execute you're going to be great much more than if you had not spent the time driving alignment. And they said to me, you know, John, you're you're an American. You guys are used to trying something. If it doesn't work, no big deal. You try something again. It's not going to work here. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And that you never want to be embarrassed right. in that culture. So spend more time up front. And that really helped me because I needed more patience, right, and needed to really focus on that alignment, which was really key. Oh, so those were some of the key lessons that I learned, and uh, we had a great run of success in that market. We did a lot of unique things. Uh, we grew the business significantly after it had been declining for about 10 years, and made a lot of great friends. Um, when you're in that kind of an environment and you're not focused on the individual, but you're focused on the team, right? you can really build some really strong relationships oh, for sure. that way. So I really, uh, I loved it. It was a great experience. And I got a different view of the sports world when I was there. You know, I always loved sports. Grew up and played all those sports in high school. But over there, I was introduced to football, you know, soccer, Mm -hmm. as we say it. But football, the World Cup was there when I was there. And it was shared between Korea and Japan. It was the most fun, you know, a few weeks of my entire three years there. Because we went to games, we went out afterwards with all the fans, and I really got an appreciation for you know this number one sport in the world. Right, right. I before I didn't know a whole lot, so really enjoyed that. That was really fantastic. Also, baseball, baseball. We would go to baseball games like once a week. It was right down the stadium. It was right down the street from our offices. And a baseball game there was just so much fun because, you know, it's almost like a college football game here. Mm-hmm. There's noise the entire time. People are cheering. You know, people are standing up. And the games are timed. So Oh, even better. Yeah. You're not going to have, like, a five-hour baseball game like we might. It ends. So I really enjoyed that. 
And I also was, I had a, a moment here that ties into the athletic training world. And uh, as, a, as a member of this company, you got to be part of this club. It was like a sports club. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was called the YCAC, Yokohama Country and Athletic Club. And on it, they had some softball fields. They had, you know, a big a football pitch. They had tennis courts. They had, you know, pools and all of that. And uh, so, you know, we play a lot of sports there. There was leagues and everything else. And I was in a softball league. And uh, it was in Japan in the summer. It gets so hot. I mean, hot and humid. It's an mm-hmm. island, right? So it was... I can imagine. <laughs> It was a really hot day in August, and we had our championship game, our softball team, and we were up against this other other team, and we were not going to lose. You know, very competitive too, but we were not going to lose, and uh, we were running all over. You know, there was a lot of hits in this game, and I was an outfielder, so I'm covering a lot of ground. Right. And uh, after the game, you know, I, I my face was like beat red and I went back to my house and it just didn't feel right and it was a um, uh, I started to get like cold in my extremities mm-hmm. so I ended up having to go to uh, back up to the club and there was an athletic trainer up there that was taking care of you know they had had one for the yep. club yep. and I said hey you know something doesn't feel right here I had no idea what it was and he looked at me and said, you look like you've got heat exhaustion, right? And then he took the steps to, you know, get me stabilized. And then they sent me off to the hospital. Yep. And, boy, it was about a month-long recovery oh, after that. I, now, I believe it. Yeah, if you don't catch it early. It's all can the stuff it does to you. Really mess with you. So, but I was very thankful if that hadn't happened. I don't know. You know, you never know what would happen. But uh, that was probably my first real interaction with an athletic trainer. Okay. That I, you know, certainly was very special to me and, and very important. You know, from that Japan assignment, I ended up uh, coming back and going up to Minnesota and uh, working up at the Target headquarters. Okay. For the same company, SC Johnson. Gotcha. I was in charge of sales for that big account, and uh, we did a lot with sports. We did a lot with uh, the Vikings, and they had a couple of the uh, pro golf tournaments up there. Yep. So we sponsored different things. I uh, even got to meet uh, President Trump at the LPGA event okay. that he had down in down in Florida at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, it was a Target-sponsored event. But my favorite one was we had the tiger woods challenge his big tournament that he has out in thousand oaks california and we were a premier sponsor of that nice so i got to meet all those players and uh play golf with davis love the third and you know walk that beautiful course uh it was just a lot of fun so uh sports again was a big part of that arena now from there i was up there about three years and then I ended up uh, going back to headquarters for SC Johnson in Racine, Wisconsin, a couple hours east of here, and uh, working on a, a division that had all sorts of things to do with bugs. So a little diversion away from sports yeah, to bugs. But bugs are everywhere. So it was the Raiden Off division. Uh, pet, they called it pest control. 
So uh, that was actually a lot of fun. I learned a lot about that. And uh, I learned a lot about, you know, how you can do different things to keep the bugs from biting you or otherwise. Right. Uh, and certainly with the products that S.C. Johnson made, that was a big part of it. Uh, from there, I got a chance to work uh, directly for the chairman of S.C. Johnson, a guy named Fisk Johnson, uh, fifth generation, family owner, uh, really great individual, taught me a lot about principles. And working for a CEO of a company, any company, no matter what the size, you're going to learn a lot. Right. And they have such a tough job. And you as a number two, really important that you follow the principles and you help drive success for the company and for that uh, CEO, whoever they are. Yep. So I think that was great training for me to come to Mueller Sports Medicine, you know, seven years after that and really be able to leverage all those good lessons that I learned working for, you know, uh, Fisk Johnson. So uh, with that, I, those, some of the principles I learned were around you really got to address the toughest topics. You know, and as uh, I'm learning my way here at Mueller Sports Medicine, you know, there are some real tough topics to address in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. right? There are things that are happening with athletes all over the world that we can help. Some of them are really tough. Right. Uh, some, I mean, heat exhaustion is one. Is yeah, absolutely. It's really tough yep. uh, to go after. But if you think about the end in mind and you think about that end consumer user all the time, you know, all the different decisions that you have to make become a lot more clear. Uh, we have a, a, a saying here you know, where it's all about the end user consumer first. And you put that right in front of you every day. And that'll help you make the right decisions, even when they're tough decisions that require, you know, a lot of investment, a lot of patience, you know, a lot of those skills I learned in my various assignments. Absolutely. So uh, that was a great experience. I really enjoyed that. And after 21 years at SC Johnson, I decided that I probably need some additional experience that's not a private company. So I wanted to get some public company experience. Okay. I never worked for a public company, you know, in my 20-some years. I was say, I'm sure that's its own unique it animal. It is. Yeah. And I had all these perceptions that a public company was, hey, they're slashing and burning every quarter. Right, right. They're doing all these things that are bad for the consumer and all that stuff. And I said, you know, if I, if I could help change that, wouldn't that be great? Right. You know, because I, I always like to try to help that end consumer. I always like to try to help the people that are, you know, a little disadvantaged that need some extra sure. help. Yep. And so I, I went and uh, um, I got a great chance to go to another great Wisconsin company, Kimberly Clark. Okay. Yep. And they're the makers yep. of Cottonelle and Kleenex and Viva and all sorts of products, Huggies, things of that sort. So I went up to, uh, to lead the division that has all those paper products. Okay. Cottonelle, uh, Viva, and Scott, and Kleenex. And it was just a great learning for me. You know, much bigger company. S.C. Johnson's sure. a pretty big company, yeah, no too. no kidding. Yeah. But double it to go to a Kimberly-Clark. And uh, the rigor of a, pri of a publicly held company was impressive. 
because they need to talk to the shareholders every quarter. For sure. Right? With very specific information. Yeah. So I learned a lot about that rigor, and you didn't necessarily make a whole lot of quarter-to-quarter decisions. It was still longer term, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's not a whole lot you can affect quarter-to-quarter. Yeah, yes. But if you look at it on an annual basis, you can drive some really big change if you're focused in that regard. And so uh, we did some some really good changes uh, to those brands to help drive the business and get that moving forward. Um, it was a great experience. I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with sports Okay. in that company. They, they were really not as focused as that as, a, as an area. There was a couple of campaigns that uh, crossed into sports a bit, but not a lot. Um, I did spend a lot of time at Lambeau Field up in Green Bay. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. It was their big friends of Kimberly Clark. Their headquarters are pretty close. Okay. And so we do team events up at Lambeau. We do all sorts of things. And uh, we we would have occasionally have uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, come down. Uh, I was friends with a local car dealer up there and all that good stuff. So it was really pretty cool. But no, I kind of missed I missed that interaction you know, on the sports side. Okay. Um, after about five years at Kimberly Clark, I got a really unique opportunity that brought me, I think, a little closer uh, to the athletic training world, and that was to go to a company called Abbott. And Abbott is one of the biggest healthcare mm-hmm. companies in the world. Uh, it was a position, a global position, where I could affect pretty much every division of the company uh, with the work that I did. And they had a lot in the healthcare space around uh, uh, various conditions, um, certainly heart and other conditions, that, and nutrition. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of nutrition products that help to aging individuals all the way to, to athletes. Um, so I got back into a little bit more in that space. And uh, it was good. It was good, but a big company. And I got a, a chance uh, to come to this great company mm-hmm. uh, shortly thereafter. And you know, normally I would not move, but this was a really unique opportunity, you know, with the this company that really brought a lot of the things that I love together. Uh, and I got a call, and it was around this. There's this company, a private company, in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Second generation family owner that is number one in many categories in sports medicine. Right. Uh, at that point in time, they they didn't tell me the name yet. <laughs> so I I'm on Google trying to figure out who it could right. be. I guess totally wrong. And uh, but eventually, about two weeks later, I got a chance to come up here and see um, that there's a beautiful campus that we have here. Certainly. Absolutely. And the first impression you get when you see the Mueller campus is big. Yeah. 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 There's a huge wood sign over the, the entranceway, this long drive, yep. and you know, big warehouse and everything else. And that was a really great first impression to have uh, because then I short, shortly after that started meeting all these great individuals that work here at Mueller. And uh, it was, you know, an instant good impression. 
you know, from the people at the front desk. You know, yep. when, when you have an issue here at Mueller Sports Medicine, if you're a consumer, athletic trainer, anybody, when you call, you get a you get a real person. Right. And as I walked in, the, I had like three people greeting me as I walked in with a big smile and saying, hey, welcome to Mueller Sports Medicine. From there, you know, I started meeting all the different associates around the company, and I got to spend time with Brett Mueller, yep. uh, the second-generation CEO, uh, which was really fantastic. We were supposed to have a, a two-hour meeting, two-hour interview. It lasted five hours. I was going to say, I, I was going to go on the over by significant amounts. Five that, hours. my guess. No breaks. And... We looked at our clock at the end of the five hours and said, wow. Right. It, it, five, five hours? We were having such a great dialogue back and forth and talking about how in this sports medicine world, all the consumer products, marketing, and international that I have experienced, how I could take those lessons and help apply them to the sports medicine world mm-hmm. to help you know, reach more athletes to help the athletic training community you know maximize their time for sure and et cetera et cetera we had uh, i think we had about 10 or 15 ideas and that was it before i was even hired so that was the initial impression uh and i said to brett i said you know uh really love sports grown up with sports i've touched it the various jobs i've worked on yep. but i've never really focused on it it's going to be great to focus and how can i help uh how can we get all the great brain power in mueller sports medicine to really drive the innovations and drive the improvements on our current products and the services and everything that we do you know we're the only privately held company uh, out there anymore you know, that's not, you know, backed by some big private equity right. company right. calling the shots. This is the Mueller family that is leading this company, and uh, that affords a lot of ability to focus. Yep. Focus on what's right. All those things I talked about earlier that are hard to do, you need time and persistence, focus to make those happen. And all the ingredients, you know, have been for 60 years here uh, and will continue and even advance further with our our new approach. So uh, the other thing I I talked to Brett about in that first session was around, you know, giving back to Mm -hmm. the athletic training community, to the communities where we operate. For sure. And I learned something that day, which was really cool, that we help and we leverage – the great talented people uh, that have some special needs. We have a whole group of individuals that help us with our packaging and other areas that are in the special needs spectrum. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of those are Special Olympic athletes. Yep. And uh, I've been on the board of Special Olympics for 11 years. Yep. Recently was chair of Wisconsin and uh, such a great organization to give back. Uh, and some unique talents of those individuals that I didn't even know this when I was researching the company, but uh, Mueller Sports Medicine partners with them quite a bit. 
Absolutely. So really pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, saw, I looked at Brett and I go, wow, that is cool. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of great stuff in the company. Uh, what I've learned is that we have such a great heritage and such a great focus on the athletic training community. Uh, we have really tried to double that in the last year. And we have an, a new three-year strategic plan, and the plan is to double it, double it, double it, uh, because Fair it's enough. such a great, uh, such a great opportunity. Um, and there's so many great things that athletic trainers do that don't get recognized. Now uh, we started up an award program here for athletic trainers that uh, we learn of something that is just way above and beyond. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we've given out two awards in the last six months in okay. that regard, and we're searching for more. Right. We want to help foster uh, and you know, recognize great behavior and great results that are out there in the marketplace. Uh, at the NATA this past year, we said, boy, we had a good NATA in 2018 and previous years as well. We want to double it mm -hmm. this year. So we ended up uh, doing all sorts of interactivity at the NATA. We gave away some of these, uh, uh, a smaller version of these kits yep. to everybody. And when we first started talking about that, they're like, you're going to give away a kit? Absolutely. Uh, these are individuals that are working hard and they need these kind of products. Uh, and then the one we did this year, which was really cool, was we did a pay it forward kind of an approach uh -huh. where we asked athletic trainers to pick other athletic trainers yep. that have done some great things that could use something and we gave away had them give away kits for sure that wasn't us that was them giving somebody else yep which was uh i thought really a great way to show appreciation to this athletic training community and we're going to continue to do more and more of that you know, my focus has been, and throughout my career, has been to really understand that end user consumer. Mm -hmm. And the athletic trainers that are out there, I think we have so much more to learn. Right? We've done, I think, great job over time, yep. but needs are changing. Right? Uh, the demands Daily, are skyrocketing. Sure. <laughs> right? And uh, uh, we want to be the one to partner with the athletic trainers and to do that we've got to understand and we've got to deeply understand how we can best do you know best be a, a partner to help them be the best they can be you know there's only so many hours in every day right and you know the demands are only increasing uh, so we want to be that trusted partner would you say that's probably one of your guys's biggest strengths because i'll speak completely biased on this but i know we've come down um, with Richard Avis and talk different things and he always wants opinions and always looking for new ideas. He's come up and pilot tested some stuff with us and looking for feedback. And I know he's always taking notes, you know, same thing with Andrea, just taking in feedback in that you guys are actually like fully receptive to it. Like mm -hmm. if somebody comes to you with an idea, you're gonna take it not just you know oh no we got this figured out like you just wait and we'll put out the product you don't you know there's a healthy dose of that like you're giving things that we don't even know we need yet which is awesome because then that moves things along but i mean i'd argue that you guys actually listen 
and interact on a better level Thank than, you for I've, that. than yeah. I've run into, you know, even just walking around convention and again, completely biased because I've gotten to know people here so well, but yeah, I don't know. What what are your thoughts? You no, know, I, I think you're right. I think uh, we are in the mindset of two things, continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. That's a, a major focus of our ongoing efforts and curiosity. Oh, for sure. We, in, uh, back in my Kimberly Clark days, I taught global marketing. And uh, the one differentiator statistically was that uh, individuals that are more curious or teams that are more curious tend to reach further, tend to get to breakthrough ideas, and tend to be humble, right? Not saying, hey, I, it's not invent here. It's not, not right. That, that's not, if you're curious, you are always asking you are always wanting right. to know more and uh, we've got a tremendous history of that here it's one of the core values of Mueller sports medicine that we're going to put more focus on that curiosity that curiosity for things that athletic trainers are dealing with every day and things that are coming down the pike yep now we uh, always want to be looking further out and be on the forefront of developing those things that in the future, if you roll the clock ahead five years, will be upon us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a, my focus in my career, that curiosity and that, that deep, deep understanding of that end user consumer. And we've done some creative things to really drive that. You know, a lot of people will say, hey, you do surveys, you do some interviews, yep. you're listening. That's good. I said, mm. That's okay. Uh, I believe in the the theory of behavioral science. And what you say, most of the time, is not necessarily what you'll do. Right. Right? We're humans. Easier said than done theory of everything (laughs) in life. It's a relatively new field within consumer research. Yep. And it's really grown in the last five to ten years. And uh, when I I was at Kimberly-Clark, we were... students of behavioral science mm-hmm. and we work with great universities like Northwestern and Cornell and Stanford around behavioral science theory and so with that we're using that to help us be more curious and help us understand you know how can we help uh, even better I don't know that I could picture a lot of people going that in depth no I just you know, here's the product. Here's what it is. Hope you like it. Right, right. So, you know, and that with with the athlete as well. You know, really understanding. Oh, for sure. You know, because a lot of times they can't tell you, right? And uh, they, a lot of it's just the initial what's on your mind. Yep. And you got to dig. You got to really dig and have the patience to do that. Right. And because at the at once you get through all that and you can really understand what will help their their behavior and their performance and their recovery, boy, fantastic results are at the end of that. It's mm-hmm. worth it's worth the effort. So that front piece around projects and having the patience to really dig deep and get everybody aligned, and then when you actually come out with these great new products that we've come out with, even in the last year, we've come out with a bunch. Yep, that's going to increase you know, for sure more and more. As we learn and that curiosity and that behavioral science, that's going to help us you know, develop the the best kind of products that will help the athletic trainers. 
definitely. Anything else kind of before we would jump into our five questions that you would want to cover specifically to, you know, your role here, maybe where you see things going in the future? We've got a little bit of a question on that, so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But anything that we didn't touch on that you were hoping to talk about? I think we covered all the major points. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of a uh, rabbit hole with some of these. So to kind of go into them, first question is, is, where do you see the athletic training profession kind of from your standpoint going in the next five to ten years? It's a profession that's in transition, going from bachelor's education, certification up to master's level education and certification. So there's plenty of flux going on. But from your from your point of view and your position, what do you see? Uh, I see that this profession is going to grow significantly. You know, I know some people have said with the increased educational requirements, uh, it's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't buy into that. I think it is such a rewarding profession. I think more and more uh, places are going to need athletic trainers. We're seeing that in the military. We're seeing that in factories. We're seeing that everywhere Mm -hmm. Uh, the skills that athletic trainers have are critical to help you know whoever that end user consumer is right be their best and perform and drive efficiency so i think the future is bright now the the actual increased requirements and all the different uh, approaches that are happening mueller is going to be a partner right we we love ATCs, right? We love helping. We love to see the success of the organizations. We love to see individual successes. Right. And uh, here, we love to have the athletic trainers come in and uh, talk to us about their stories. Uh, They're not lying about that. Stop by. They'll talk to you. Definitely. And we've got this beautiful facility that yep. creates a great environment to have those kind of discussions. Absolutely. Uh, this one I'll have to tweak a little bit. Um, I'll kind of give it to you two ways, and I'll leave it up to you how you want to answer. So the original question is, you know, what advice would you give yourself as a young athletic trainer? Obviously, that wasn't your route of profession. But I'd be curious, like, if you could give advice to a young athletic trainer, i.e., even Austin right, right here, as he's about to finish up his master's degree here in the spring, um, what would that be? And then even just for yourself, if you, you know, if you could give yourself advice, kind of young as a younger one getting into this profession, what would you? Sure, sure. The advice I would give to a young athletic trainer just coming out of school would be um, two things. One is be patient. Uh, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Things happen for a reason. Go to where, what feels right, right? Where you have the most passion and you have, um, you know, where you go home at night going, boy, that was, all that effort was well worth it. And that's good career advice for any career. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I, I had that good advice from one of my uh, mentors years ago. He said, you know, get to the right place, work hard, good things will happen. So that's a great mantra the other advice i would have is become an expert at at least one thing so with all of your colleagues in whatever scenario you're in be known for one thing 
as the go-to person. That could be a small thing. That could be a big thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're the one, that makes you indispensable. And from there, you can build. But be that expert on at least one thing. Absolutely. I think that kind of parallels what we've been talking about this year in the setting that we're in, where, yeah, you have to have the generals, you have to have the skill set to do all that, but you don't have to know everything about everything. Have that area. You just can't. Yeah, have that niche, whether it be working with a specific body part, like the shoulder, being like the shoulder guy or the the back guy. Having that area where you can jump in and work with your fellow athletic trainers there to kind of help them out as well. So I think that was a really good point that you made there. Good, good. Well said. This one I'm actually really curious about. What has been one of the most influential resources that you've come across in your career? Resources? Could be book, person, you know, whatever it may be. Ah, you know, just okay. to help you that you you maybe constantly go back to. Sure, sure. For me, uh, I'd never liked all those business books. Okay. Uh, just, you know, motivational books. I'd, I'd read them and it go in one ear out the other i never got that uh for me it was individuals and uh i had one individual uh that was really fantastic he was the person who hired me at my first job okay. at sc johnson this guy named bill perez and he was the president at the time and he was all about focus and beat the competition focus and beat the competition i don't want to hear anything else he would say seems like a solid life lesson i went into his office one time i had this beautiful analysis of why we shouldn't do something uh against uh, some pricing thing or something along those lines and he looked at me and he said john i'm sure this is well done and he threw it over his shoulder (laughs) he said but this is personal we're gonna beat them we're going to do it. I don't care if we'll lose money. It's the right thing to do. And that sort of passion and focus yeah. really sticks with you and stuck with me ever since. Uh, the other thing that was really good for me from a training standpoint is I went to a, a training called Corporate Athlete years ago. And it was essentially using the same training principles that they did for Olympic athletes for business people. They're the corporate athletes. I learned so much about how to manage energy in that, certainly physical energy. Right. I learned uh, how to exercise differently. And I had been an athlete my whole life. I thought, boy, I knew it all. I I learned some new techniques on that side, but they also had mental energy, spiritual Mm -hmm. energy. They had like five different kinds of energies. And by the time I was done with that two-day session, they gave you missions. So you had a, a mission that would last 90 days. Okay. And it was achievable, but stretch. Right. And then you do the next mission and the next mission and the next mission. And so that really stuck with me. I did that probably about 10 years ago. When I first came to Mueller Sports Medicine, that was my year one. Four missions. Okay. And worked with the team here. We said, hey, what do we want to do to stretch? Yep. Now, what do we want to do to help out the athletic training community a lot more? You know, what do we want to do to help everyday consumers who are just wanting to move and walk around? Yep. 
you know? And so that four mission approach I've used for years and uh, it's really a good system. So that corporate athlete was good for me. I'll have to look that up. That just sounds fascinating and interesting in and of itself. It really increased capacity. Yeah. You know, and I think about the athletic training community and the crazy hours that you work mm -hmm. and uh, the demands and the emergencies and everything right. else. It taught a lot of things around how do you increase your personal capacity right. without increasing the number of hours you're working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you handle those tough situations that really drain your energy All right so that was pretty cool i'll definitely have to look into that um this one i'm very again very curious on this so we always ask an athletic trainer if you could eliminate or change like one thing it could be like a modality or a practice or a mindset um, or anything that you pick within the field of athletic training what would it be and why again from your position kind of being on a not on the outside, but just from a different point of view, from what you've learned about and gotten to know in the athletic training profession, do you see something that if you could hmm. modify it or change it that you think would maybe help better the profession? You kind of maybe alluded to it already, but we'll... Huh. If you could eliminate or change something, huh? I think one area that I think would be really beneficial to the athletes i know there's a lot of discussion around uh concussions and things of that mm -hmm. sort which are incredibly important i had two in my my life i yep. i get it um that's really first and foremost i understand that but the the area that i experienced as an individual when i had uh, the heat exhaustion yeah. product yep. problem um i think back to my time and i think back to all those tough workouts you know the football team or whatever and nobody was thinking about that right right and uh there was probably some people that you know got close right uh and it's not worth it right we should have a lot more protocol around that area we should have uh, better products to help in case it happens yep. in case it happens uh we should have uh, more focus on it not just in you know the southern or high heat places but it can happen anywhere. Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, these individuals, these athletes are pushing themselves so hard and their coaches and everybody else are pushing them to train. Uh, it can be a real issue. I come from a family of athletes, too, and uh, both of my brothers had something like this happen, too. Okay. You know, and they were lucky. My mother's a nurse, so oh, she helps. happened to be at the events where it happened yep. and was able to make things go pretty smoothly, but... If they don't have a real qualified athletic trainer there or medical professional, well, there's a big issue. Right. I think that's right on cue with that. I know we we had uh, Dr. Doug Casa visit UWL um, out of the Corey Stringer Institute for a guest lecturer and opened up a lot of our students' eyes and people in the community, but also just my own on being prepared to – for those worst case scenarios and so they're on the forefront of that right most definitely the other area i think would be great if, if the profession would move more in this direction and companies like us would mm -hmm. help is around the recovery yep. um, the athletes you know they work so hard in the training and in the actual event uh the recovery piece always seemed like an afterthought 
And the recovery piece ties right into performance. Absolutely. And I've learned even since joining Mueller Sports Medicine and and listening to Brett Mueller and listening to Richard Davis around recovery, recovery, recovery. And what can we do? To, as a company to partner with the athletic training community for sure and to drive innovation that helps recovery yeah recover harder you can train harder absolutely that's a good quote <laughs> <laughs> stole that from somebody somewhere down okay. the line can't take credit for that <laughs> um our final question is what does and we'll change it working with athletic trainers mean to you and why is that important as we've probably already semi-covered, but again, sure. just to summarize it all up and Sure. Uh, working with athletic trainers is really important to me uh, because I think it goes back to something that motivates me personally is I, I've always focused on helping others. You know, part of it could be how I was raised, you know, in small business environment, mm-hmm. mother being a nurse. My father always did a lot of stuff in the community to help people that needed it. Uh, but what I've seen since joining Mueller Sports Medicine that I didn't realize before is the selflessness of the athletic training community and how they are helping individuals, you know, be their best, recover, you know, um, deal with a, you know, a, a tough event, deal with all sorts of things. I didn't realize that. And I didn't realize the hours they put in. I didn't realize that they're traveling all the time with the teams. It just wasn't top of mind. And now that I see it, and I spent a lot of time out in the field with uh, all sorts of great individuals, I am just astounded. It is... it relates directly to one of the things that drives me, mm-hmm. you know, how do I help people? For sure. Uh, certainly there's a business aspect of it as being the president of Mueller sports medicine. We want to drive that for the business, but at the same time, we want to do what's right. We want to do what's right for the athletic training community and really help as that community evolves to be on the forefront and help them be as efficient as possible, as effective as possible, you know, to best serve the athletes. For sure. That's awesome. Well, unless there's anything else, if people wanted to reach out or, you know, that, I would say I see you all over Mueller's social media at all the events and the different things. I don't know how you get around to all of them, but you definitely (laughs) seem to make the rounds, whether it's overseas or pickleball tournaments. Right, um, right over the country but people want to reach out and maybe get in touch with you what would be the best way or to con- connect with Mueller um, if they had ideas or questions or whatever it may be you know whatever you feel comfortable sharing sure. go for it sure I love to be out and then I, we'll link it all up too. I'd so. love to talk to everybody uh, and I welcome you know communication from the athletic training community uh, I love hearing from the consumer, the 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 athlete, and in fact, every call that comes in to Mueller Sports Medicine, they I always like to see what what did they say, you know, how can we help them better, mm-hmm. uh, and ideas can come from everywhere. Some of the best ideas come from the most unexpected places. Right. 
So for me, I would say uh, contact Mueller Sports Medicine, uh, MuellerSportsMed.com, and they will walk it down the hall uh, to me, and I'll get back to you very fast. I'd love to have that kind of interaction. As I said earlier, I'm very curious. I want to. I want to know. I want to learn, and I want to help the individual. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. It's been yeah. a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks yeah. a lot.